Uh, it is good to be together today on the first day of summer, finally hot enough to go out and enjoy the lake and everything. We have been in a series the last few weeks, and we'll take little breaks here and there, but we're doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we've been introing it in different ways. And one of the ways it's intriguing to look at Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit passage, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, is the passage right before it. And in the passage right before it, it talks about the works of the flesh. And the works, that word is in the plural. And the whole idea is that list of things, the works in the flesh, the things that come out of us when we are trying to rule and be king of our own little universes, they are often realities that divide our relationships. Produce pain, produce schism, produce brokenness. And on the opposite side is the fruit, singular. Like when we are really trusting that God is in us, putting all of our control over to God, when we're letting that be the thing that drives us, we begin to live out the fruit of the Spirit. And what it does, because it's in the singular, it actually brings together unity. Our relational world begins to look very different. That's the whole point of why Paul talks about this in Galatians 5. It's all about what life together, how you do life together, it's one of the most important things that we can talk about again and again and again and again. It's also been fun for me. Usually over the last year, we'll just take a passage and break it down. And this has been more of a topical series, which um, for my soul has been good just to delve into other parts of the Bible, look at other verses, and I hope it's been that way for you. So, so far, Fruit of the Spirit, we've looked at love, joy, peace, and this morning can be a five-minute message. We've come to the easiest one of them, patience. Can we just say we hate to be patient? Like almost out loud, there there needs to be a self-help group of like, I don't like being patient. There's nothing about it I enjoy. One of the verses in Proverbs about patience says this in chapter 16, verse 32, better to be patient than powerful. I don't like that. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense in sort of the world that I live in. When I started studying on this, one movie popped into my mind. Some of you have probably seen it. Has anybody seen Click with Adam Sandler? It's this weird little quirky movie and he finds a remote and this remote allows him to basically speed things up, control people, slow things down, go backwards. And the whole story is now he has control. No more having to be patient. No more having to wait for the job to come your way. You now can make it happen. And at the end is destruction. Like when he's in control of his life, really at the end of the day and trying to control everybody around him, the end result is things begin to fall apart. And yet, We live that way. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness now. Give it to me now. I I want to be happy now. So I think we need to start by being really honest. We hate to be patient. Everybody say it. We hate to be patient. Just be honest. So yesterday I was driving around and I asked some of the brightest minds in the city of Mankato which included Genesis and Trinity, who are 9 and 11, and their friends who I was carting around in the car. When you hear the word patience, or being patient, what do you think? And one of them, a brilliant mind by the name of Lauren, she said this, she said, I think of waiting kindly. Isn't that good? Waiting kindly. And then I asked all of them, like, so, so when you, when you, how do you struggle with being patient? And there were stories from, you know, having to wait in the lunch line. Uh, One of them talked about having to wait. You know, mom and dad would say, we're leaving in five minutes. They're waiting kindly for five minutes. At the end of five minutes, it's still not ready to go. You got to wait five more minutes. And they're like, it's hard to wait. And that's true for all of us. 
It's hard for all of us to wait for so many things in life. It's hard to be patient with a younger sibling, isn't it, kids? It's hard to be patient with your younger sibling. Let's just name it. It's hard to be patient waiting in traffic. If you want to grow in the area of patience this next year, just spend time on 14 and 22. Drive the roundabouts. Amen? We're going to start a church outreach, which is going to be, we're going to teach people how to drive roundabouts. So, mission trip to London, but we go to London, it's going to be opposite, so it'll be crazy anyway. Patience with a neighbor that gets on your last nerve. Patience waiting for your marriage to be restored. Patience waiting for the right job to come along, right? Either you just got out of school or you were let go six months ago from your job and you're waiting for that next job. Waiting for God to answer that prayer. That prayer that your adult child would finally come back to God. Why isn't God answering it? It's hard to be patient. Patience, when you went to the doctor last week and you're still waiting for the results to come back. That's hard, isn't it? How do you wait patiently, kindly, in the midst of those type of settings. Our passage, Galatians 5, says this, but the Holy Spirit produces. If you are new to Crossview, if you haven't been in this series yet, we want to say it again and again and again. This is a list of Christ-like character traits that you can't produce on yourself. You can't do this by yourself. You can't conjure up enough energy, enough will to be as loving as Christ is, as peaceful as Christ. You you can't do it. And that's why the wording here is it has to come from the life of God that is inside of you. So really practically in scripture, what it tells us is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we come to God and we say, God, I know that you are the only one that can forgive my sins, lead my life, all all that God is. When you put your faith and trust, your confidence in that, God actually comes to live inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the point of this passage is that as we submit to the presence of God in us, this list, the fruit of the Spirit, is the type of realities that begin to be the way in which we live in our relational world. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Here it is. Love, joy, peace. Everybody breathe. Patience. Patience is this word, macrothumia. Some of the different ways it can be translated. Listen to these. It's not even that much more encouraging. Endurance. Constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness in avenging wrongs. As I've looked at Scripture, here's the definition I want to give you for patience this morning. Here's how I define patience scripturally. It's persevering, or as we said earlier, it's, it's waiting kindly. I love that language. It's persevering. And not becoming angry at God and others when his or their timing doesn't match our own. Persevere, waiting in the midst of whatever it is for whoever it is. And not becoming angry at God. Because we do do become angry at God at times, right? We definitely become angry at others around us when they're not changing or doing the thing we want them to do. But it's being in the midst, waiting, persevering. And the timing doesn't match the timing that we would think. James 1 verse 12 says this, God blesses those who wait patiently, 
who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And here's the opposite. So each week we've said, here's the definition, here's the opposite, and then here's some of the different counterfeit idols, ways in which we worship other gods when it comes to this. The opposite is this, bitterness and resentment towards God that manifests itself in agitation or outright expression of anger with others. Let me say that again. When you're struggling with being patient, here's often the opposite. When we are heading into the fleshly way of interacting around, it's bitterness and resentment towards God that manifests itself in agitation or outright expression of anger with others. Here's the counterfeit. Tim, here's what a counterfeit is, by the way. Tim Keller is a really great thinker, good, uh, good pastor, says this. A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, you would hardly feel like living. Anything so central to your life that should you lose it, and it doesn't have to be a thing, it's often an idea, it's often a, a character trait that you would feel like not living. I think the counterfeit that is, is one of two things. When we think of patience, for some of you, your way of dealing with patience is to always be in control. If somebody has said to you in the last three weeks, you're a control freak, that's your counterfeit. Instead of waiting, you jump in. You, you, I mean, you're the one who jumps in, organizes. And there's a very positive side to that. There's also a broken side to that. For many of us in this room that aren't, you haven't heard the word controlled freak, but you've heard people say, man, you tend to worry a lot. And for some of you, if the whole idea of worrying was taken from you, you, you wouldn't feel like living. Like to exist, you have to worry, you feel, right? Those are the ways in which this is expressed in very, very unhealthy ways. So as I look through Scripture, I think there's three different types of patience. We don't often do sort of the three lists around here, but I think there's three different types of patience that matter greatly. The first one is this. God's patience towards us. The word patience is all throughout Scripture. I mean, it is the, the number of times it occurs, but it's all throughout Scripture. One of the important ways is God's patience towards us. But a year and a half ago, I was here doing my candidate we can preach in, and we looked at Luke 15, the story of the loving father. And what is the loving father? We often call it the prodigal son, but it's the story of the loving father. The loving father, when the son has rebelled against him, when the son has run from him, when the son has basically said, I want you dead, he waits patiently. The imagery we talked about, that sort of waiting, pacing back and forth on the back porch, waiting for this son to come home. And it's not just passive, lay down, take whatever comes. It, it, there, there was an active sense to the way in which God waits, waited for the prodigal son and the way in which God waits for us. God is patience towards us. Paul talked about it in his own life in 1 Timothy 1.16. He says, God has mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Isn't that a beautiful line? Something about if we could all have that posture of understanding God's patience, that we are the prime example of God's patience, of waiting for sinners to come to repentance. Then others would realize that they too can believe in him and, and receive eternal life. Romans 2 verse 4 says this, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. 
for some of you, this is the type of Sunday in the middle of the summer, you've come back to church, you've been away for a good while and you're checking out and you're wondering what's going on and your imagery of God is the angry sort of Darth Vader in the sky, that deep growly voice and that's God's perception of you. I would argue that this is how God sees you this morning. I'd argue that God is waiting patiently for you to come back to him. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? 2 Peter 3.9, a beautiful passage. And this book is written to a group of Christians in the midst of persecution, like things are going very poorly. And it says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. It's intriguing. And in this passage, they, they're asking, we want God to return, we want God to return, we want God to make things right. We often think the same thing 2,000 years later. And I think the promise is still the same, that God is not being slow in his promise. He is being patient for your sake. And listen to this next line. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The invitation of God's patience towards you is for you to turn from whatever ways in which you're living that are against God, whatever idols you're worshiping. And idols aren't just a, you know, a thing that you set on a table. It's often philosophies like my happiness, wealth, success, anything that we worship other than God, repent is turning back towards God and accepting the love and grace that is offered in Jesus Christ. And it's for all. And God waits patiently for you to accept that. Patience of God towards us. Second type of patience is this. This is where it starts to get maybe a little more challenging. Our patience with God's plans. Not a tough one, right? Let's just be, when we pray thy will be done, we really mean thy will be done in my timing, God. Right? If we're super honest about how we view God acting, we want it to be in our timing. Psalm 37, verse 7. Some of you write this down. I need to write it down. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Isn't that good? Another one, Psalm 27, 14 says this, wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous, yet wait patiently for the Lord. Waiting for God's plans to happen, especially when we have some sort of ideal of how it should happen in our timing, and our way, and this is who God should be, and this is how God should act. That's really hard stuff. Think about some of the Old Testament stories. Abraham waited 25 years for a son. If you've struggled with infertility, and I mean this, if you struggle with infertility, read about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, 25 years. It says in Romans 4.20 about Abraham, he grew strong in faith as he gave God the glory. He grew strong in faith as he gave God the glory. Think about Jacob. This, this is, I don't think I could wait like Jacob waited. Jacob, his patience required him waiting seven years for the girl that he was in love with. After seven years, what happened? He got the older sister that he wasn't in love with, so he waited seven more years. So 14 years, I mean, got two wives out of it, of course, but it's joking, people. For 14 years, waited 14 years for the woman he loved. 
After that, he continued to serve Laban, his father-in-law, for another six years to earn flocks. During this time, he endured consuming heat, frigid cold, lack of sleep. His wages, if you read, his wages are changed ten different times. Lost from his flocks to pay for stolen animals. Yet through all of it, through all of it, read the story. His lack of complaining is remarkable. It's remarkable. Romans 15 verse 4 says this. Such things were written in Scripture long ago to teach us. And the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Here's the deal, folks. That thing you're waiting for, for God to act on, that marriage to be restored, that child to come back to God, that health report to come back in the way, whatever it might be, Scripture doesn't so much tell us why bad things are happening. Scripture doesn't so much tell us, well, God's going to act in this exact time if you pray this prayer 47 times, then God. It's not the narrative of Scripture. The narrative of Scripture is one thing, one day things will be totally right again. No more tears, no more crying, no more pain, Revelation 21 says. And we live now in the middle. We pray and we believe God can act. We believe God can do things. We also know at times it doesn't happen in the way we want it to happen. So what does it look like to wait patiently in that midst? And I think our posture should be that of 1 Corinthians 13. It says this in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned a child. When I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. So there's a day when you will see things right and things will be right. But right now, part of our posture should be, I'm not God. And if I were God, I would mess it up as bad as Adam Sandler did in the, word, in the movie Click. I don't see it perfectly. I don't completely know and understand how God works. And my posture should be one of submitting to the will of God. Understanding the heart and posture of God towards us in the midst of whatever we're going through. And so that brings us to the third type of patience. Our patience with others. Tough one. The passage that was read at the beginning is in the midst of Paul's epistles to the early churches where there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of brokenness, there's tough relationships going on. And it says, since God chose you to be, God chose you to be set apart people who relate in a different way, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then listen, make allowance for each other's faults. Hard, right? That is hard, hard stuff. How do we become in our relational, in your relational world, at work, at home, in church, whatever it might be, how do you become the type of person where patience is who you are? It's the way you live out life relationally. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 12 says this, we work wearily with our hands to earn a living. We bless those who curse us. And listen, we wait patiently with those who abuse us. Now, we're not not saying enter into some unhealthy paradigm of relationship where you truly are abused. But what, what does it look like to wait in a relationship where things aren't right and you can't control it? Here's a tough truth. You can't control the free will of the other people in your life. Right? 
You can love, you can influence, you, I, I know you can do a lot of different, but you can't control it. You can't make that person do what you want them to do. You can't make that child come back to God. You can't make that person repent for what they've done to your marriage. You can't make that person in your small group you're no longer talking to and your small group broke up. You can't make them enter. You, you can't do that. So what does it look like to wait patiently? And this is for all of us. There is not a person in here that has a perfect relational world. Amen? None of us do. We don't gather because we have it all together. We gather because we are broken people in need of grace. What does it look like to wait patiently in the midst of hard relationships? And it brings me, I love the wording, waiting kindly, even when things are pretty messed up. Love is patient and kind. Is that a good one, 1 Corinthians 13? I love Paul's words to Timothy, this young preacher. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether time is favorable or not. Patiently correct. Patiently correct. Some good words there. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Waiting patiently in your relational world doesn't mean that you stop doing the hard work of healthy relationships. It doesn't mean that you don't lovingly confront. It doesn't mean that you don't talk about forgiveness. It doesn't what it means is you're not God. I'm not God. What does it mean to submit to God in the midst of our relational world? I think it brings us back to our definition. The patience is persevering or waiting kindly and not becoming angry at God or others when his or their timing does not match our own. That's what God does to you, isn't it? That God loves you, period. And wants you to accept that love and have that love be the reality that actually produces fruit from you that we would accept this patient God and his posture towards us, that we would begin to see that we're not God and, and that somehow we trust that God is actually God. And that plays out in our understanding of who God is and that plays out in our relationships around us. So this week, I want to invite you to do something. And this could be um, awkward. It could be challenging for some. It could be affirming for some. But I don't know about you. I want to be a person that lives out the fruit of the Spirit. Do you? Amen. And I want to be known as a person of love and joy and peace and kindness. And I know I am not always that way. So I want to encourage you to do something this week. I want you to ask some of the people in your relational world, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's three, ask some people who know you well, what kind of character do you see coming from me? What, what, what fruit is coming from me? And listen to what they say. Because for some of you, you're going to hear some painful things. They're going to say, you're angry, you gossip a lot, you seem depressed all the time, you seem down, whatever the list might be. And you need to take that in and say, that sort of feels like a list that would be about the works of the flesh. And have you really put your confidence in Jesus Christ? I'm not saying, are you saved? I'm, have you put your confidence in Jesus Christ? 
Some of you may be affirmed, some may be in the middle, but what would it look like to get intentional about who we are as followers of Jesus wanting to live in this type of way and to listen? And then when you listen, not to get combative, not to get mad, but to say the invitation for all, for all of us then, is to be more fully in love, influenced by the grace and love that is found in Jesus Christ and to submit to the presence of God that is in all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Romans 12, verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Amen? Jesus, we want to be people who go and live out the fruits of the Spirit in our marriages, in our neighborhoods, at the sports field, in the lunch line, when we're waiting for mom and dad at work. And so we submit to your control and guidance in our life. In your name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.